When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the post-game edition of Spits and Suds, game one of Seattle in Dallas. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined as I always am on these post-game shows by EP Ringside, Chap Shots, D Magazine's NHL guru. It's Sean Shapiro, and uh, Sean, we're deep into the night. We're just getting over this overtime loss. Wanted to get your uh, initial thoughts. It's, uh, as I said, all fair. Before we we hit record on this i mean it felt it felt a lot to me it felt a lot like game one against minnesota to me yep. where um in that series against the wild and people can go back and roll the tape we after game one it was one of those situations where we felt that game one was really a must win for minnesota and that's how tonight fell for Seattle for me, where they Seattle had to win this game. Like for Seattle to have a chance in the series, they had to win this game. And I know in Seattle definitely poses a different challenge. And I don't, and by no means at all, are, am I saying a series is ever easy or, or anything like that, but I come out of this game and I see Dallas struggled with, a couple things in the first period. Jake Ottinger wasn't super sharp in the first period. And you still and 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 you adjusted and you came back and you had a chance to win the game in overtime. And I don't know. Maybe it maybe I'm looking at it, maybe I'm reading too much into it. And and obviously there's definitely some things to watch with Seattle coming forward, but this doesn't change my feeling that the stars are the favorite to win this series, this game, right? Like I, I look at this game and okay, Seattle won. It's going to be a good series, but I still would feel pretty confident picking Dallas to win this series, which I did before the series started. And that hasn't changed after this game. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, as the game moved along, you could tell that Dallas put it into high gear, specifically in the third period. I was a little disappointed. We did say Seattle gets off to quick starts. Dallas doesn't. And, you know, I mean, granted, Dallas scored first. However, I I just felt like, you know, midway through the first, uh, all, all the way almost through the second, I, I, just, I just felt as though it was kind of stagnant and the stars were being kept to the outside by Seattle. And I just kept them saying to myself, get in front of Grubauer, you know, create some pressure. And they did on the third and, you know, it paid dividends. Uh, let's take a step back and mm-hmm. let's acknowledge the greatness of Joe Pavelski and the storytelling yeah. or storyteller uh, game he had tonight coming back from a concussion, first game back, and just showing everybody the skill set that Joe Pavelski has. It was so much fun to watch. And as I tweeted at one point, Joe Pavelski two Kraken one. I I just felt as like it it was just you know at one point in the game it was like come on guys you know pick up like what Joe's doing 
Um, he was just all over the place, and the we've mentioned it so many times on this podcast, but just the talent of the moving the body manipulation with the tips and hitting those corners at that high speed of rate, it just never gets old to watch. Yeah, the two tips are obviously, um, well, the first tip, the second, the second goal, first tipped goal was, and, and it's been, the story's been written millions upon millions of times about how Joe Pavelski does that after practice every day. We all know that. Um, it's who he is. It's kind of like, that's that's not a surprise. Um, the fourth goal that forced overtime was an absolutely incredible um, play in in transition to base essentially it looked like a almost like a slap single up the middle <laughs> yeah of 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 off 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 kind of a bunt almost in a very weird way like um and Joe Pavelski's game was was amazing right like he comes back first time in 15 days or whatever it is um the four goals and the tips are great, but the thing that I loved most from about the stars tonight is we talked about unlocking other lines and we talked about unlocking depth. And I think it's going to get lost because the stars lost in overtime. It's going to get lost because the big headline is obviously Joe Pels having four goals, but the, the stars unlocked something with Max Domi tonight. Um, of Pavelski's four goals, three came on entries where Domi sprung something from the neutral zone. Um, on the first one, he uh, he unlocked the play into the neutral zone to Mason Marchment, who found Pavelski. Um, the third goal was him throwing an area pass to Ben from the neutral zone, and then the fourth one was Domi setting up Yanni Hockenpah for the rush down the right side. And to see that essentially unlocked and to get that version of Domi after we kind of saw a little bit of it coming out in game six, like that to me is just kind of like you talk about like what's what's the old saying, right? Like great players elevate their teammates. Yep. And it was one of those things where for as much as the four goals are great, what the stars got out of Domi tonight and by playing with um, Pavelski and everything like that, to me, that's going to be one of the lasting legacies of this game. If, if, if the stars win this series, that's going to be one of the lasting legacies of this game, because now you have honestly, I mean, Ropa Hintz was great tonight. I mean, he didn't score, but Ropa Hintz was good. Tonight. He was really good. Yeah. Um, Robertson still needs a little bit more, but yeah. I mean, honestly, he had a quiet That's night, the, I thought. He had, he had a quiet night, but then you have you have three lines right now that can yeah. score. I mean, Wyatt Johnston almost ended it three times. Um, yeah, he, he, he yeah yeah toward the end of the third and in overtime, he was playing really well. Yeah, so like the stars have the lasting like it's one of the one of the things coming into this series and uh, about Seattle is everything's like, oh, Seattle hits you in waves and they come with waves. And it's true, they do. Their forecheck is relentless and we're probably about to talk about that. But the Stars are a team and it's the reason they're a cup contender. They are now, they now, especially with, where, with, with when you have Domi actually playing this way, 
You have, you now have three lines that can score. You have a fourth line that is kind of more of the blunt instrument, but still effective. And honestly, they could have, they, they should have, they could have, should have won this game tonight. And it's not like, I know it's, it's easy to take moral, not moral victories, but it's, it's easy to like, after game one to say, oh, it's a long series. But it is a long series, yeah. and Seattle just played seven games against Colorado. Seattle, every time when you play that style, like when you have as many hits as Seattle does, I mean, how many times have you and I talked about Jamie Ben's body aging? Because it's not just about the hits you receive, it's the hits you give, too. You're part of every collision. So, I mean, this game is, I, I still think Dallas is in a really good spot to win this series. And there's, and I'm not even, it's, it's just a reality of it. Cause I mean, Gavin, you know me, if they came out and played a certain way where I thought that they would be, that they were about to get blown out of the building. Mm-hmm. Like, You'd say it. I'd say it. So like, yeah. I, I really think Dallas is still in a good spot to win this series. And I look at the things that go forward and the fact that they were down four or two at the end of the first period and reversed course and made it quite a game and almost won it like that to me is becomes more i'm taking more positive out of this than anything so um now let's let's give seattle its due because seattle's forecheck is going to be a problem that is that is 100 percent true um seattle they in the first period the second uh no it was the the first crack and sorry the first crack and goal was off a really nice little play off of the forecheck. Um, All of their offense comes from essentially creating off the forecheck. And for the Stars, for the Stars defensemen, um, other than, other than Miro, other than Miro Heishkinen, who tends to adjust well to everything, um, I think, this was a this was a tough adjustment game, and this was the perfect game. This was the game where Seattle could sting Dallas the most because you're going from playing, and I want to be as kind as possible and say this, but I'm not going to be kind. You're going from playing a geriatric Minnesota Wild team to a young spry kickboxing team <laughs> that yeah. comes in that comes in on the forecheck. So, like the the way Esselin Dell get got bullied below his own goal line tonight. Yep. Now that's not excusable, but it's also the pace and the pressure he's facing. He wasn't facing that in Minnesota. So this was a big adjustment game. Um, and I think the rest of the stars defensemen will have to prove they can adjust for game two. So I I think there's a couple little things that game one of the series is always interesting when you go from playing one opponent for six or seven, six games like Dallas did or seven, like Colorado did. Um, It's always going to be an interesting adjustment, but I think Dallas will, there's a lot of Intel points from the stars to take not so much from the coaches, the coaches will have done their pre-scout, but there's some things from a player perspective that for lack of a better word, maybe you don't respect about your opponent until you kind of take a little bit of the hit like you did tonight. Yeah. I, I think you mentioned his name and, you know, we have to talk about some of the stars that didn't play as well. I did think Essa Lindell had a tough night. 
Oh yeah, uh, you know, I mean, it was it was tough. You know, a, a couple questions. Let's simplify it for the stars. Why can't Dallas come out like they did in the third period for more of the game? That's I mean, granted, they're down by two, but you know what I'm saying? It's just, I, I feel as like, that's, what? That's been, that's been a I know, Stars problem I know. for a decade. That's a Dennis Stars problem for a decade. And like, I just don't like, get it. Like, like that's, that's. I, I get that. I get what you're asking, but it's the that's 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 the question. That's that's the million dollar question that six different NHL coaches haven't been able yeah. to answer for this this organization. So I mean, I credit. I, I mean, I credit. I credit Seattle. I really do. Yeah. That barn was buzzing, and they made it silent. And I just felt as though like, all right, guys, you know, hit somebody, you know, create some havoc. Like, get the fans into it. You know, I mean, just, and it's just like all of a sudden in the third period, it's like, all right, here we go. And, and that was, you know, one thing. I think the second thing, which, I, which I'm seeing, you know, I saw it in the Florida-Toronto game earlier, and I saw it on, SL, you know, the goal. It's like, you're right, Jake Ottinger did not have his best game, but, I mean, no. he shut everyone down after that first period. Yeah. I get frustrated of the reach out of the stick, which causes a tip. And Esselindell did that, you know. I mean, to me, if Jake, if Jake Ottinger is there and he's got a clean look like he did, and maybe Lindell doesn't know that, you know, yeah. let the let the puck go on net. Mm-hmm. But I, no, I, I mean, I, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's one of those things that you see it more and more, and sticks are getting in the way, and uh, you know that caused a goal in Toronto tonight, Florida with a. Um, you know, I mean, we talk about Seattle, kudos to them, kudos to Florida who won in Toronto. So this is not uncommon. And the one thing I'll say about Seattle, they don't care if they're on the road. That's obvious. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love that about this team. I love their resilience. I, I felt as though for a lot of the game, they had the better legs, but I completely agree with you, Sean. Dallas is the better team. I still think they win this series. Um, you know, to me, it's especially as the game moved along, exactly like what we saw in game one in Minnesota, you could see the stars take control over time. I mean, quite literally, it's a bounce of the puck. I mean, that as much as I, you know, mentioned Yanni Gord, Sean, the other day on the podcast, and I love him as a scrapper, you know, that's just something he just threw on net. Oh, yeah. And it's, I mean, a couple plays at the other end of the ice where Dallas had chances. They had looks. The puck just didn't go in. And I, at the end of the day, the reason and one of the great things about NHL playoff hockey is the nature of a seven-game series. Where um, it's, it's why, like, I'm not crying boohoo for the Boston Bruins. They lost to the Florida Panthers. There were seven. They had seven games to prove they were better. The Stars have six games remaining in this series to prove they they have to beat they can beat the C- the Seattle Kraken four times in six games. You earned that opportunity, you still have it, go do it. So I I don't have and I don't have any and, and I still have faith that Dallas will do that because I, it's um now I do think there when you look at this Stars team, it was it was interesting to see um and you talk about things that do need to get better is like Jason Robertson needs to show up. Yeah. Like it, it, it's that that's just a reality of it. Like Jason Robertson's game is we saw you, you've got Marchment and Domi going. 
um, Ben, uh, Ben Dadanov and uh, Johnston are going. Belsky, sorry, uh, Sagan, Sagan and Hints are feeding off each other well, and just Robertson right now just isn't having the impact you need now. It's uh, it's it's kind of it's one of those things where I think it's because of Pavelski's injury and where he's been. He's been kind of it's been excusable is the wrong word, but it hasn't been as hypercritical maybe as it could be. But the truth of the matter is, you're a hundred nine point player in the regular season. You need to act like it. Yeah, and that and, and the stars need that. I mean, this is the type of thing where. This is the type of game. Um, this is the type of thing where if you have Jason Robertson show up a little bit more, and you get a night where Joe Pavelski has four goals on a different line, yeah, you're probably winning. You're probably winning five four. Yeah, you know that's the interesting thing too is yeah. does Joe Pavelski on that first line tonight make Jason Robertson better? I mean, I think he does. Yeah. I think he does. But also, it's the point of the matter is, Jason, you're Jason Robertson. You're getting paid the seven point one right. whatever million for four years. Do it on your own. You, you're doing it to drive your own line. So do it. That's that's kind of more so of that. Where it's like, it's I don't. You don't want Jason Robertson to have to be fixed. That's that's the thing. You like. Um, you want your your middle six guys to need a fixer to come in and get them going. Yep. You don't need that for the guy who is going to get Hart Trophy votes this season. Right. Hey, good news. We're not talking about the ref, Sean. <laughs> yes, we are not. You know, <laughs> let's answer some questions. I put the tweet out yep. during the game. If you have any stars questions, a few of you responded. Uh, at Greg Shelley six asked, does it matter that the Kraken get to start every single game of the series? at or very near their normal evening game time while the stars get zero. Um, you know, maybe during the regular season that might be an effect because you usually don't play at that, but I would say the stars are pretty used to the uh, 850 um, puck drop. And by the way, once again, no matter how many times they do it, I got caught again. I got caught, Sean. Uh, you yeah. know, about 835, I'm like, all right, well, it's tape, but, you know, I'm late, I'm late. And sure yeah. enough. Um, it's just, it's one uh, yeah. of those, you know, I, I personally don't feel as though, uh, I mean, I yeah, it's, it's good. Seattle clearly is adjusted to that time slot, but the number of games the stars have played at eight fifty over the past few weeks, I think they should be used to it by now too. I, I also don't think in general, um, it's, it's not, I, I don't think Pacific or far West coast teams have any advantage schedule wise at all when it comes to game time. Um, because I, I don't think getting up to play a hockey game really impacts NHL players. Honestly, it's the, the, the game time and everything like that. Um, I mean, I talk to players all the time who one of the bigger challenges after playing an NHL game that starts at seven o'clock locally is getting to sleep that night. That's one of the, like, I remember talking, I've talked to multiple players this throughout this past season, just about like, how do you manage your sleep and everything like that? I mean, the bigger challenge and it's not going to come into play into this series and the bit the only real game tying challenge i believe exists in the nhl is when you've got the the daytime game where players routine is so many players have the routine of they take the afternoon nap 
And when a puck drop is one o'clock or two o'clock and all of a sudden it's right when the player's typical game day routine is when they're taking a nap. And if one of those West coast teams gets stuck playing one of those games where they're playing a game that is like all of a sudden, like 11 AM or noon, their local time, then there's an advantage. But for playing a game starting at nine o'clock, like it's not, it doesn't, it's, it's it doesn't impact the players it sucks for it sucks for getting kids to watch the game in dallas mm-hmm. absolutely hate it yeah but from a from a hockey performance perspective it doesn't matter yeah and once again you pointed out if the stars do advance that will change in the conference finals because they're staggered by day at that mm-hmm. point so the west will have its own day or yeah which yes. is nice yeah um, so we probably will see if we get there a uh, mm-hmm. seven o'clock or seven thirty start so kate twizzle um is a big stars fan and he does this thing he does a roll call and he has about 15 20 people respond during stars game time and he's a big spits and suds supporter so shout out to kate twizzle he wrote this during the first period he said paz was the only one who showed up in the first the rest of the squad including otter was very sloppy Question is, is Seattle better on defense or offense overall? Hashtag Tolo. Turn it on, leave it on. Thank you so much. So my thought is, is that I thought actually the Kraken played well defensively tonight. Um, I mm-hmm. think they have some veteran D guys um, that did not cave under the star sustained pressure in the third. I, you know, I thought they did a real nice job getting the puck out of their zone. But I still think Dallas overall offense, defense, special teams is the better team. Yeah, there is. There's a couple of things the Kraken do that the Stars coaches will have to bring up. One is the fact that the Stars coaches will have to look. Will have to go over. Okay, we have to be better about dealing with the four che- the four check. Right, you just have to. Um, there's one particular. There's times where Seattle will throw kind of, I use the, 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 I call it, it's, I'm not, it's not the term I, I, I coined it's, but it's another a term for more of a skinny four check where they will, they will tunnel in on one player like they did on Lindell on the first goal for Seattle, um, where that's a play where when that's happening, you have to either hunt and live to see another day high off the glass and out or just be smarter. Um, the stars need to defensively. One of the things Seattle does really well is they're willing to, um, you have to take what's given to you at times, but you have to take the right thing. And I think one thing that Dallas did quite a bit in the second period, and they did it in the third period a little bit until they started to kind of adjust and be better for it. Um, the Kraken are willing to give you that little stuff play, that wraparound. We saw mm-hmm. quite a few of those in the second period where, and that's not really like, I know it's a good spot to have a chance, but it's not really a high danger chance, especially with modern goaltending now and everything like that. The wraparound is really I mean, it's it's not like NHL '95 and yeah. pulling that yeah, scoring every time, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, but but it's so the stars kept going to that little rap or stuff play way too often when you need to take the other thing that's given to you 
and go back to the point, work it around and work it from the top to come back in. And I think that's something where credit to Seattle. And this is one of the things that's great about a playoff series versus an individual game. It's something where Seattle can, in an individual game within an 82 game regular season, um, Seattle is a much tougher matchup because you can force teams into that and you can't adjust. Great thing is Pete DeBoer and his staff, probably literally as we're recording this podcast right now, are going through their adjustments in their video. And when they drive back home, I'm sure they'll put on this episode and they'll listen to make sure they got it right. <laughs> and they, uh, and and they'll and they'll and they'll adjust and they'll and they'll move on to the next series. So. Seattle is not the next series, the next game. Seattle, I think one of the, the the things about Seattle when you have to talk about are they a better offensive team or a defensive team? One doesn't work without the other for Seattle. They create their offense from their defense. They create they are so focused on getting up and going off everything. And honestly, if I, I, it would be very interesting to see how this Seattle team would respond in games when they aren't the counterattacker. Because I don't think this team, I don't think that Seattle team is built to win games without counterattacking. I think Matty Berniers could have had three goals tonight. I think he hit two on the post, and he's yeah, good. yeah, he, he's really he's he's a great player. Yeah, he's really good. He he really is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I he's mean, him, a lot of he, fun he to watch. Jeff, but he, I mean, you talked about he could have had three goals. Why Johnson could have scored yeah. three times. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So. A- absolutely. Okay. Aaron Thacker, uh, Thackman 05. Uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, basically asked, I think what you just answered, Sean, how would you play defense against the Kraken? Would you slow down the game if possible? I'll say this. I mean, I think the stars used to be, you know, I mean, Seattle is definitely quicker than the wild. Um, the first five minutes of the game. Wow. Back and forth. But I, I would say, uh, I, you know, maintain that speed and apply pressure. Just play your game. That's don't change your style. I would just play your game because I think you're the better team on the ice. Yeah. I, I wouldn't change anything. I mean, I would, um, there's a couple, like we mentioned some of the adjustments, but overall thematically, like you're not, you're not changing your game. You just, you go out there and you do what works and what has worked and, and you don't, you don't need to overly change change anything um to to overreact to things i think that's where you can overcoach or overcorrect and make that mistake and um i don't think the stars are going to do that i think they're gonna come back and it's going to be a very similar game in game two but they're also not going to let up four goals in the first period Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah absolutely uh jordan harper asked the same thing what adjustments would you make in game two, uh, just wanted to shout out Jordan. Uh, thank you so much for following Spits and Suds. Milsey uh, asks, guys, I don't understand embellishment. Uh, if you actually call the penalty on the other player, if you call a cross check, you shouldn't be able to call embellishment based on cause and effect. By definition, it should be one or the other, not both. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think I think there is there definitely are times that you can call embellishment and the infraction as well. Um, but I also think there are, I, I think it's a case by case scenario, honestly. I think if like, for example, if, if you trip a guy 
and then after you trip him he rolls on the ground three times and can just grabbing his arm and not grabbing his arm but you know what i mean just like is flopping like that to try to draw more like that's both a trip and it's embellishment it doesn't take away the action that he was actually tripped now if the guy is embellishing and has done it quite a bit i think that's when he starts to lose the benefit of the doubt and then maybe that trip doesn't get called yeah but that's kind of self i think that's that's a self-policing of 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 how of the system then i'll just say this and they announced it they talked about it um boucher mentioned it on the uh espn broadcast that sagan when he was cross-checked from behind went into the boards a little easy I just thought to myself, like, that might be the case. However, Adam Larson cross-checking me, I'd probably fly into the boards, too. Yeah, that's a that's a big boy in Larson. So uh, yeah, that's, I, yeah. I think that's a tough call to call embellishment when, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much, everyone, for your questions. And, uh, you know, I think it's basically simple. Play your game, Sean, and uh, it'll be 1-1 after Thursday night. And, uh, I, you know, I'm excited. It's uh it's late, but um, you know it's uh, it is what it is. It's playoff hockey, and uh, overtime happens, and you know you got that one under the belt. But uh, we were sitting here a few weeks ago, and Minnesota had game one, and we didn't have Joe Pavelski, so and we were wondering if he would come back at all, and we certainly saw that he came back in massive form tonight. Yeah, it's there's a lot of really good things to like still with this team and where they're going now. You know what? If you want me to be hypercritical and point things out, you know what? You got to have other people score goals. That's fine. Yep. That's true. That that's completely true. But it's also in and but it's not it's it, there's, there's no crisis mode here. I mean, the Stars had I thought one of the things that they didn't do really well in the Minnesota series at time was they didn't carry the puck into the zone. They didn't have clean entries. I thought they had pretty good clean entries tonight. I thought they connected pretty well from D zone to neutral zone, from neutral zone to offensive zone. Things that really kind of fell off a little bit in games uh, three and three and four in Minnesota. But those things, those those red flows, uh, red flags didn't happen. So, yep. like the biggest red flag, if you want one, is Jake Ottinger let up more goals than he should have in the first period, and no one else scored goals. Yeah. Okay. And it didn't. That's, that's it, gonna happen. And Colin Miller didn't step out to me tonight as far as like that you need to put Hanley back in. No, 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 no. He was like, he was playing his first game in a while. And I don't really, I don't really blame. And it was real. It was a real line blender on defense. I thought Thomas Harley was actually pretty good tonight. I mean, the fact that. I mean, the fact that Miro continues to be, I mean, what Miro continues to do in these, these playoffs is remarkable. I mean, like 35, I mean, he, he played, he skated more time in an NHL game tonight than I can do on a, than I, than I typically do on an exercise bike in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I am worried about the wear down factor of him, but I, I I mean, but at the same time, you know, when you lead the NHL in time on ice, it's. I'm not though. Like I'm not because he is cracking, like for example, like the Kraken are gonna hit him, they're gonna do it, but he's 23 years old. Um, 
after each game, Miro's the guy who is, I don't know how far he actually goes, but he's literally on the stationary bike. He's probably on the stationary bike right now. He He's running extensively before the game. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really worried about Miro breaking down. I'm not, I mean, the moral of the story is if you are one of the best defensemen on the planet, which I believe Miro Hishkinen is, this is the norm. Yeah. You don't treat him. You don't treat him with kid gloves. So I'm not going to treat him with kid gloves. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Congratulations to Lindy Ruff. They move on. They play Carolina next. This is a June or July podcast, but we are going to recap the Miro Hishkinen draft at some point. <laughs> um, minus Nolan Patrick. <laughs> Um, I was just thinking the other day, like, you know, everyone talks about Makar, everyone talks about Heishkinen as well. They should, and they probably would be one and two in that draft. If you redrafted all over, uh, along with, um, uh, Vancouver, um, well, especially, I mean, especially, especially right now of this playoff series, yes. to be fair, if you were, ha- if you asked that question two weeks ago before the playoffs started, Jason Robertson could have been number one. To go absolutely. Number one yes, number absolutely. Draft, so. And I bring that all up because uh, Nico Hersher had a um, a really good series against the Rangers and eighty points this year. So I mean, he was yeah, he was he was good last night. Kind of forgotten as the number one pick overall because of the others. Yeah, so actually not 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 last night, two nights ago. Yeah, it's already Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know. I just wanted to say congratulations, Lindy Ruff. Before it got too late, uh, congratulations. It's so awesome a story what he has done in uh, New Jersey. So all right, we're going to allow Sean to go to bed. And we're going to allow me to go to bed because we both have day jobs as well. So we're going to get to that. And we do want to thank you so much for listening to the Spits and Suds post game. We will be on Thursday uh, after the next game. And hopefully the uh, stars make it one uh, one to one. Uh, so thanks so much for uh, supporting us and listening, everybody. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. He is Sean Shapiro of D Magazine of... Uh, Boy, it's late. EP ringside <laughs> of uh, Shab Shots. And uh, got to get the book plug. Got to get the book plug. Got to get the book plug. The name of the <laughs> book. Oh, my God. I should have brought it up. Is uh, We Win Here. The definitive essays you'd need to know about the Texas stars. So there you go. Buy Sean's book. Support Sean. And have a great night, everyone. Yep, Gavin. I appreciate it. You've. Uh, it, this is fun. I appreciate you running that help helping this show run smoothly and uh we're gonna have some more fun with this uh two nights from now yeah yeah absolutely but for now our heads hit the pillow and stars fans don't worry it's just one game and we both feel the stars will still prevail so we'll see you soon on spits and suts